Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen.
And then in James 5, 11, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It says, we give great honor to those who endure under <laughs> suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance, great patience, perseverance, and steadfastness. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Job is called a man of great patience, great endurance, great perseverance, great steadfastness. And James says that when we're tested and tried, that we should, uh, with patience, endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, have its perfect work so that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, what it produces when we go through these trials it, it, it produces endurance, it produces perseverance, it produces patience and steadfastness. And these are all the things that we need if we're going to walk this Christian walk. By definition, patience, endurance, perseverance, and steadfastness, is, it says it's what gives one the ability to outlast an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving into it. It's the capacity to last or to withstand wear and tear. Denoting or relating to a race or other sporting event that takes place over a long distance or otherwise demands great physical stamina. For example, cross country, it requires great physical endurance and perseverance and steadfastness. And uh, in Indy 500, you might not realize this, but those drivers uh, have to be in peak physical condition to last 500 miles behind the wheel of that race car. Uh, the Coca-Cola 600, even more endurance, even more stamina is needed. Uh, these drivers are tough. I've read somewhere where they could lose 10 pounds during one race like that. So you have to be in fit shape. It's not a country ride down the, down the road. This is some tough stuff. And so this is what he's talking about. This is the types of things that we need endurance for. Something that, uh, that is not going to allow us to get worn out in the middle of it and have to pull off to the pit or quit our running or quit our race. And the Apostle Paul refers to living a life of faith or the life of a Christian as a race. He uses the analogy of a race. And, and he does it in several different places. I'll read you a couple of them. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. Yes. And then in Galatians 5, 7, in the New Living Translation, it says, you were running the race so well. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? And then Philippians 3, 14, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And then there's my favorite in Hebrews 12, 1. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips, trips us up. And let us run with endurance, with patience, with perseverance, with steadfastness, the race that God has set before us. You know, every one of us as a Christian has a race, has a course that's been set before it. And we're to run our race, and we're to run it the best we can with endurance and perseverance and steadfastness and patience. 
And, and, and we're not to run somebody else's race. We're to run our race. That's right. We have our own course. Don't be looking at somebody else's course. You know, Jesus said, uh, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. Amen. And one of the reasons is because when you start looking back, you start plowing a crooked road. Right. You go on to somebody else's race course. Yes. You need to stay in your own race course. Don't worry about them. Keep your eyes fixed on the altar and the finisher of our faith, yes. the Lord Jesus Christ. And run your race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But since Job has been giving us as an example of someone who displayed great patience, endurance, and perseverance and steadfastness, I want to talk about Job today. And I want to see why, why James referred to him as a man of great endurance. It's, it's great just to have endurance, but when he, when he described it as great endurance, that's really something. Amen? So, you know, rather than read the scriptures in the, in the book of Job, uh, we'll go to a couple of them later, but I just, I, I wrote a narrative, and I just want to give you the narrative of what's going on here with Job. First of all, he was a very wealthy man, and he lived in the land called Uz, U-Z, and he had a very large family. He had extensive flocks and extensive herds, I don't know, thousands of, of animals in his uh Ranch, and the Bible describes him as a per perfect and blameless and upright man who avoided evil on every turn. What a wonderful testimony. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like God to say that about you? Ethan, you're a perfect and upright man, and you stay away from evil. I'm prophesying now. You stay, <laughs> stay away from evil as best you can. Hallelujah. But one day Satan appears before God in heaven. And God, for some reason, testifies about Job. He says, Satan, where you been? And Satan says, I've been going to and fro on all the earth. And he says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect and upright. He eschews evil. He avoids evil on every turn. He said, have you considered him? And, and Satan says, yeah, I, I consider him. But he says that Job is only a good person. He's only upright. He only avoids evil because you have blessed him so much. And he has no reason to do evil. But he says that give me a chance and I'll not only get him to do evil, I'll get him to curse you. So God accepts the challenge. And so he, he puts limitations on Satan and he tells him he can do anything he wants except touch Job's physical body. He said, don't touch Job and don't kill Job. But you can do anything you want. And so uh, Satan goes immediately back to the earth and he begins to work on Job. And in, in the course of one day, through the use of en enemy invaders and natural disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes and storms and stuff, he manages to steal all of Job's livestock, kill all of his servants, and then kill his ten children and destroy his home. Now that's what I call a bad day. Amen? Yes. Breaking a fingernail ain't a bad day. Hallelujah. Uh, losing your favorite golf club is not a bad day. This is a bad day. But through it all, Job holds his ground and he refused to curse God. And as a matter of fact, instead, he tore his clothes and he shaved his head, which is a sign of mourning, and he began to mourn for the loss of his ten children. But he still blesses God in his prayers. So Satan failed in his first attempt to turn Job against God. But Satan never gives up. The devil never gives up. He's, that's one thing he's got is perseverance. Now, I don't mean to give him glory, but I think you need to understand that he don't quit. 
Amen. Amen. He's playing for keep. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it takes more than a I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It oh. takes more than a part-time Christian to defeat a full-time devil. Amen. 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 So anyway, he goes back to God, Satan does, and he goes back to heaven and he tries to get God to ease the restrictions on Job a little bit, or ease the restrictions on him so he can put more pressure on Job. And so God has so much confidence in Job that he gives the devil a second chance, and this time he, he eases some of the restrictions and said that he can even touch Job physically, but don't kill him. So he goes back down and immediately he covers Job in these boils, some kind of skin disease, skin sores like boils, as the Bible describes them there. And, and they're all over his body. He can't touch anything, he can't sit, he can't lay, he can't knee, he can't do anything. He's miserable, he's in all kinds of pain. And then the next thing he does, he gets Job's wife to turn against Job. And she tells poor old Job, he says, why don't you just curse God and commit suicide? Go on, curse God and die. Man, you talk about cold, that's some cold stuff. But what happened if for better or worse in sickness and in health? <laughs> but anyway, the Bible doesn't say what happened to his wife after that. She probably left him. But Job still refuses to curse God. And even though his wife deserted him, he's still willing to endure his circumstances and hang tough rather than desert his relationship with God. Amen. Let me tell you something. Uh, people come and go, friends come and go, relationships come and go. Uh, sad to say, husbands and wives come and go. But the one relationship you better protect is your relationship between yes. you and God. Because yes. I'm telling you, if they're all gone and you still have a relationship with God, you're going to do all right. Yes. Amen. 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 So Job still refuses to curse God. And, and you know, one of the most powerful questions arises from the book of Job, and that is this, this is the question, why does an all-powerful God allow bad things to happen to good people? Have you ever asked that question? I have. Why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And, and not only that, but with Job, it seemed like God had initiated it. He said, have you considered my patient Job? I mean, poor Job down here minding his own business. He didn't bother nobody. He didn't say nothing. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Go on and test him. He's perfect. He's upright. He avoids evil. And so it seemed like God initiated this. But I know that God has reasons, and we don't ever question why God does things, because his thoughts are way above our thoughts. His, his, uh, uh, th uh, his words are way above our words. His yes. thoughts above our thoughts. And his, the way he does things is way above the way we do things, and we just don't understand some things. And that's a good time to just keep our mouth shut. Amen. Amen. Amen? Just settle for the fact that you don't understand. But, you know, and, I, and I, I know Job didn't really understand because of the things that he was saying throughout the chapters of the book. But, you know, he don't know why righteous people suffer and it seems like the unrighteous are getting blessed. And, and uh, Job had three so-called friends, more or less, probably less than more, who showed up to console him. But they were the exact opposite of somebody that brings consolation or comfort or peace. They accused him of doing something wrong. Because a man reaps what he sows, they told Job. 
You must have did something wrong, otherwise God wouldn't be punishing you. And first of all, God never punishes anybody. We punish ourselves. We get ourselves into situations. And it was no different with Job. Job was, was a good man. He was perfect according to God's own testimony. But he lacked one thing, and that was in the neighborhood of faith. He worried all the time about his children. And he worried about them sinning and bringing curses on the family. And so he would offer sacrifices for them just in case they might have sinned. So that is anything but uh, a man of faith. And so he had to be tested. His faith had to be tested because he had to learn some things about God that he didn't know. He had to see God's character on display before he could understand what he was doing and the, the life he was living. Amen. So in other words, they're insinuating that God only gives people what they deserve. And they insisted that Job must have did something wrong to merit his punishment. And yet, Job maintained his innocence. He kept saying, I didn't do anything wrong. So Job's praying and crying out to God the whole time, and God remains silent. Have you ever been there and you prayed and you cried out to God, and yet nothing? You didn't hear a thing. That doesn't mean God isn't there. It doesn't mean God isn't listening. It means that there's a reason why he hasn't answered you yet. And maybe he's testing your patience, your endurance, your steadfastness, your perseverance. So just hold on. But Job eventually begins to question God. And he questions him in a less than respectable manner. Now it's okay to question God. You can ask God questions. But you have to remember who he is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. Yes. When you approach God, you better keep that yes. in the back of your mind. He ain't your buddy. He ain't Santa Claus. He ain't the Easter Bunny. He's Almighty God. And he's holy. Amen. 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 So ask your questions. But ask them in a respectable manner. Amen. But God still remains silent. As a matter of fact, he was silent through the 38th chapter of this 42 chapter book. And then he speaks up and he sets Job straight concerning his theological opinions of how the Lord should operate. And so God pretty much starts out by telling Job, first of all, I don't have to explain anything to you or anyone else. And then he says, the way I bless people or don't bless people is my business. There's things that I know that you don't know. Amen. So don't judge me, Job. Right. And so he says, Job, where were you when I laid out the expanse of the creation? Yeah. Where were you in the beginning when I created everything? Right. Can you explain how it was done? And then God suggests that people shouldn't even discuss divine justice or the way God does things or how God judges people or why one person gets blessed and the other person doesn't. You shouldn't even begin to judge God about that. You shouldn't question God about that. He's sovereign. He knows what he's doing and why he's doing it. And he don't have to share it with us. Yes. Amen. Amen. In other words, he's God and you're not. Yes. I ain't either. But you know, God's way of thinking and doing is far above what we're capable of understanding. But I want to show you something that Job said in the midst of his suffering. And how this so relates to you and I. Uh, and that's why I want to talk about why bad things happen to good people sometimes. Why the righteous sometimes have to suffer. In Job 7 and 4, he says, When I lie down, I say, When shall I arise and the night be ended? 
For I have had my fill of tossing till dawn. In other words, Job isn't getting much sleep nowadays. And in the uh, contemporary English version, it says, I pray for night to end, but it stretches out while I toss and turn. And I remember a song in the early 60s by Bobby Lewis entitled, Tossing and Turning. Not tossing and turning, but tossing and turning. And, and he, was, he was somebody that was having troubles with his girlfriend. He had relationship problems. And it caused him to lose sleep at night. It caused him to toss and turn all night. And just like Job, he was probably praying for morning to come. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, uh, maybe you toss and turn for the same reason. Maybe you've lost some sleep for the same reason. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I spend a whole lot of sleepless nights like Job, tossing and turning, praying for morning to come. And, you know, I don't lose as much sleep as I used to now because... I've learned how to turn things over to God and then go to sleep. Just trust God and go to sleep. And just understand that God's got it. Amen. He's got your back. But there were times when I wasn't able to do that. And there's times now where I have to uh, struggle and pray to regain control of a runaway mind with the problems and things that's going on. And, and things that are stealing my peace and stealing my sleep. And I know sometimes the troubles and problems of life can cause you to toss and turn and they can cause you to lose some sleep at times. And, and I don't care how spiritual you are or how spiritual you think you are. All of us have lost sleep at one time or another Amen. worrying about things. All of us have been tossing and turning in the bed till the middle of the night. And I don't know what causes you to toss and turn at night, but... Our kids have always caused me to toss and turn at night more than anything else. Past, present, tense, and probably future. Uh, you know, you might think, yeah, but your kids are grown now. Yeah, and you must be a young parent. Is there an age limit when your kids stop causing you to toss and turn? Or cause you to uh, stop worrying? Well, I'm not sure, but so far it's infant to 49, and I'll keep it closer. <laughs> you know, money problems will keep you tossing and turning. Work problems, marriage problems, relationship problems, friend problems, physical problems, emotional things. All these things can get you to toss and turn. And like poor old Joe, sometimes your troubles can be so bad that you pray for morning to hurry up and come. You're tired of tossing and turning. You're not getting any sleep. You've lost your peace. And, and at least in the morning, when morning comes, you can get out of bed, you can go to work, or you can do whatever it takes to get your mind off of what had you tossing and turning all night. You pray for morning to come. And, you know, problems and troubles test us. And, 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 and God does that to show us. He knows what we're made of, but he wants to show us what we're made of. He wants to show us some of the things that we have to learn and rethink and redo. Just like this eight, nine week pandemic, we should all come out of this different in some way. There should be some kind of improvement in yes. our life, yes. some kind of uh, place that we've come to where we learn to appreciate things that we didn't appreciate before this whole thing started. Amen. We should be better after we come out of this test and trial. Yes. We should know more about God than we knew That's before right. we went into this thing. Yes. We ought to know more about God's character right yes. now than we did before we went into this thing. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, uh, 
when, when you're trying to live for God, troubles come from everywhere, it seems like. And sometimes uh, the troubles of living a Christian life seem so unfair. You know, I'm doing everything I can. I'm following you the best I can, God. And yet I'm having all these problems. Well, God never promised you you wouldn't have problems. Matter of fact, he said in Psalms 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not just a few. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the problems of the righteous. And so we realize that good people will go through some things. But then God says, but, but the Lord delivers you out of all of them. I don't care how many they are. I don't care if it's one or ten or a hundred. God said he'll deliver us out of all of them. Yes. Yes. Come. Yes. I already know the end. Yes. I already know the, the final result. God's going to deliver me. Yes. It may not look like it now. It may not seem like it. You might be wondering where he's at. He might have been silent for the last two weeks that you've been praying. But I can promise you this. He yes. says he'll deliver you out of them. Yes. Somehow, yes. some way. Yes. Go to sleep. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, uh, Peter's in the jail. He's got a death sentence on his head. He's walking death row the next morning. They're going to kill him the next morning. And so what does he do? He goes to sleep. He's going to kill him in the morning. He goes to sleep. That's the peace of God. Amen. You can't sleep knowing that in the morning you're going to get your head cut off. I'd have a hard time sleeping. You talk about tossing and turning. I'd wear a hole in the jail floor, probably escape to the hole. <laughs> but Peter, he just says, see you in the morning, and starts snoring. Right. Why? He had a peace. He knew. Yes. He, he didn't know how, but he knew. Yes. God yes. said he'll deliver him from all of his problems, yes. and that brought him peace. Yes. He didn't toss and turn. He slept like a baby. Yes. Until that angel woke him up and said, let's go, God. Getting, God's breaking you out. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But problems and, and troubles will test you to find out where you're at. And the word righteous here in this verse is a key word. First of all, we have to understand that there's two types of righteousness. One type is what we've been studying for the last couple of Wednesdays nights, and that's the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are. Uh, and the other one is self-righteousness. Dangerous, dangerous thing to be. Amen. And that means that we think that we're better than everyone else. And let me tell you something. We all got our little sins. Amen. Amen. You might, your sins might be different than somebody else's, and their might be different than mine, and yours might be different than their. But we all got our little sins. Amen. That's right. But we... Uh, you know, uh, sin is sin to God. He don't care if it's black, white, little, small... That's right. Venial, mortal. It don't make sin is sin to God. Wrongdoing right. is wrongdoing. No matter, he doesn't grade sin on a scale of one to ten. Right. That's right. God hates all sin. Right. Amen. Amen. But there's a parable in Luke, the 18th chapter, the ninth verse through the 14th. It says, And he, Jesus, spake this parable unto certain religious leaders which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. That's self-righteousness. In verse 10 it says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee or a religious leader, and the other a publican or a tax collector. Now, the Pharisees looked down on the tax collectors. And the Pharisees stood and prayed thus, 
with himself. God, I thank thee. He started off real good. But then he says that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, this tax collector. I'm glad I'm not like him. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven. But he smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. In other words, forgiven. Rather than the other, for everyone that exalts himself like this Pharisee was doing, he'll be abased or brought low. And he that humbled himself like that publican did, he'll be exalted. And some people think they're righteous because they don't smoke or they don't drink or they don't cuss or they don't go on the internet where they're not supposed to go. But yet they look down on those who do them things. In other words, they judge them for their sins and, and they exalt themselves because they don't do those sins. And, and tr if you're not doing any of those things, then I commend you for your discipline. Good for you. Amen. But that doesn't make you righteous. Right. That makes you self-righteous, which is a greater sin than all of those other sins combined. You know, there's a lot of people in the church that don't do those things. Mm -hmm. But then again, they have their own little sins. Right. Uh, but they don't think those are as bad. But sin is sin. But I'm telling you, you'll get judged just as fast for walking in pride, holding a grudge, gossiping, uh, hating your neighbor, uh, any of those things. You'll get judged just as quick as those guys that do those other sins that you don't approve of. Yeah, that's right. And that's what God was talking about to Job. Don't question divine judgment. You don't understand it. You think those sins are, that you're doing are all right, but his sins are bad. And God says, I say they're all bad. So we can't judge. You can't judge God either for the way that he judges sin. But anyway, the righteousness I'm talking about is the gift of righteousness that comes only from God. It can't be earned. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. It's a gift. It's the righteousness of God in Christ. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that righteousness comes into you. It's not your righteousness. Isaiah says your righteousness is like filthy rags. It's his righteousness. Yeah. As yeah. long as you walk in him and he's in you, yeah. you stand in that righteousness, that right standing before God. Yes. And you can come boldly before God's throne in your time of, of need and receive help and mercy. Yes. Why? Because you're righteous? No, you couldn't make it to the throne in your righteousness. But because of his righteousness, yes. his gift of righteousness to us. That's the righteousness I'm talking about. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us. He made Jesus to be sin for us. He, he put our sins on Jesus, and Jesus took them to the cross. Yes. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He earned that righteousness for you. You can't earn it. And I'll tell you what else I've learned over the years. The more you try to do right, it seems like the more hell you're going to go through. It seems like the more you're attacked. Uh, you don't know what problems are until you really un understand righteousness and get serious about living for God. Amen. Then you'll find out 
what it's all about. Yes. But don't forget, he said he will deliver us from them all. Yes. In our lesson this morning, Job's undergoing severe testing. I mean, this is real testing of somebody's faith. Uh, this ain't nothing like the testing that we think we go through. You go to China, you'll see some severe testing. You go to some of these communist countries, North Korea, and, and, and you don't even have to go there. Go to these other places, you'll see some real persecution. You'll see Christians getting killed for their faith. Yes. And, and we think we suffer because they closed the church doors down for eight weeks. Right. That's not suffering. That's an inconvenience. Right. Amen. 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 But the book of Job is called one of the most profound books in all of the Bible, also one of the oldest. Because Job asks the same tough questions that we either ask or would like to ask at one time or another. Why do the righteous suffer and the evil prosper. What did I do to deserve this? Why is this happening to me? You may not have asked those questions, but I have. Lord, here I am doing your, your word and going to church, and my neighbor who ain't even saved is getting blessed. Lord, I'm a tither. Why is my neighbor getting a new car? Lord, you know I wanted that promotion. Why didn't my co-worker get that promotion? Mm -hmm. And we ask questions like that. If you never ask them questions, I know you thought them. And that might be one of the reasons we were tossing and turning that night. Maybe you need to quit worrying about your neighbor and start worrying about yourself. Right. Get your stuff in line. Don't worry about your neighbor. That's right. Again, we're questioning God's justice, God's form of justice. Why are you blessing him and you ain't blessing me? That's a good question to ask, but listen for the answer. <laughs> Job's the richest man in the East, and in one tragic day, he loses everything he owns and his ten children, and his wife split. But despite all these tragedies and pressures, Job trusts in the mercy, the love, and the kindness, and the grace of God, and refuses to bow to what the devil is trying to get him to bow to. Curse God and die. Just curse God and die. Get it over with. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we can never die, bow to the devil's plan. I think I covered that pretty good last week. I'm going to try to behave this week. I got some information that I was being watched and censored. And I know I was censored twice because uh, I posted this thing and it disappeared. And I posted it again and it disappeared again. So. I know I'm getting censored. I know I'm being watched. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm never going to dance to the devil. Right. Yeah. I've come too far and I've done too much yes. to turn back now. Yes. I, I, yes. I can't do it. Amen? Yes. There's too much to lose if I give up now. Yes. But in every trial of every Christian, there's two purposes in operation. The devil has his purpose and God has his purpose. And they're working against each other. You know, uh, they're contrary one to another. And, and they'll never become in agreement to one another. The enemy's purpose here was to break Job. To wear him down, spirit, soul, and body. He used Job's three friends to help him. They told him God was silent because Job wouldn't repent and confess his sin. They acted like they knew what was best for Job, but they didn't know did we? But don't we all have friends like this? 
You're going through hell and they have all kinds of answers for you, but none of them are right. None of them are going to help you. But God had a different purpose for the trial of Job's faith. God wanted to teach Job some truths that he didn't know before. And sometimes the only way to learn things is to go through something. And God wanted to deepen Job's understanding of himself, spiritual things. He wanted to provide a model, and I might add an accurate model, a pattern, an example that would be passed down through the ages as an example for us. For something that we could go to when we're going through times of trouble and say, man, Job went through a hundred times more trouble than I'm going through. How did he make it? Let me check Job out. I've got a model. I've got a pattern. I've got an example to follow. And That's poor right. old Job didn't have that. There's got to be a first in everything. Amen. <laughs> something has to set precedence. And speaking of precedence, we have to be careful some of these laws they're trying to pass because they're, they seem like they're sensible. They seem like that, you know, well, we should have mandatory vaccinations because it protects everybody. It protects all the people. But that ain't what they care about. They've already proven they don't care if you live or die. What they care about is setting a precedence for making something like that mandatory so down the road they can inject you with a chip and do it legally according to the law. So we have to be careful of precedent-setting things. But Job set a good precedence here. And, and, and God knows what he's doing, no matter how hard it seems, it's always for our own good. When you're going through something, it's for your good. That's why James says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, yes. tests, and trials. Knowing this, the testing of your patience worketh, or the testing of your faith worketh patience, perseverance. In other words, it builds up your patience, your perseverance, your endurance. God has you in mind when you're going through something. He's not punishing you. He's blessing you. Amen. And that's why James said, get happy. Get full of joy when you're going through these things. Amen. Because your endurance is going to increase. Your stamina is going to increase. Your perseverance, your steadfastness is going to increase. Because there's a bump in the road coming, and you won't be ready for it until you go through this and learn some things that I want to teach. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, not the devil's purpose. And when you're going through something, you've got to believe like Pastor Flynn has taught us a few messages ago. He had this message, God's got this. Yes. God's got this. God knows what He's doing. And when you recognize that, then instead of tossing and turning at night, and losing sleep at night, you can sleep like a baby when the storms of life are raging all around you. When you know that God's got this, you can smile when your finances are upside down because you know it's only temporary. Amen. That's right. When you know that God's got this, you can hold your head up and, uh, when situations are trying to get the best of you. When you know God's got this, then when you lay in bed at night, and the sheep that you've been counting, but now you can't find them, you can count your blessings instead of the sheep. You might ask, if that's so easy, then why didn't Job do it? Because like I said, Job was the first model. He was the precedence setter. Job didn't know what we've been privileged to. He didn't know why he was being tested. But we know 
We know why we're being tested. We know because we have the evidence of Scripture. We have the model, the pattern of Job as a road map. Job didn't have that. He didn't say, let me go to the Bible and see what the Bible says. No. Job was writing the Bible. He was writing history. He was becoming the model and the example that we would need. Amen. But you see, we have it better than Job had it. Because we have the assurance of God's word. We've got this Bible full of promises. Yes. We know what the outcome of the trial will be. If we stay with it and we yes. don't quit. Yes. Yes. That's right. Pastor Hayden said, I will not be defeated and I will not quit. That's the two keys to every success in everything. Amen. Just refuse to be defeated and refuse to quit. You get knocked down, you get back up. Yes. How many times? How many times you get knocked down? That's how many times you get up. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God gave us his word in complete form. God said to us everything that needs to be said in this Bible. Job didn't have that. He knows that if Satan tried to do it to Job, a man who was perfect and upright, which I can't say for myself, I don't think I can say it for anybody in here. I don't think anybody here is perfect and upright like Job was. And if Job had to go through it, what makes you think you're not going to go through it? Not being perfect and upright. So the next time you find yourself tossing and turning in the middle of the night, just speak to your spirit. Talk to yourself. Say, this ain't nothing but a test, and I know that God's got this. And then sleep like a baby. Get your peace back. Just say, I'm going to wait on God because I know he said he'll deliver me out of them all. I don't know when. I don't know how. I can't see it now. But his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. I'm just going to rest in him. Hallelujah. And then lay your head down and go to sleep. Yes. God will bring you out. Yes. God saw something in Job that needed to change. God sees things in us that needs to change. Yes. And he's going to cause you to go through something to help you to realize what that thing is. To bring it up into the light so that you can deal with it. We've got things inside of us that we just refuse to deal with. But I'm telling you, ain't nothing like a good test or trial to bring it up. Find out what you're really made out of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth mouth speaks. What's in your heart is going to come out under the right circumstances at the right time. Amen? And that's instead of hiding it, and say, oops, no, it's out in the open, it's out in the light, now deal with it. Don't let it go back in. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So God didn't say that our life would be easy, right? That's right. Nor did he say you wouldn't be challenged and tested from time to time. But I know one thing, your future is definitely connected to how well you handle the things that you're going through right now. You know, the children of Israel went around and around the same mountain for 40-something years. Why? Because they never learned what God's lesson was for them. And so they continued to go around the mountain until that whole generation died out and a new generation was willing to do what God told them to do. Amen. And so, you know, you're going to keep going around the mountain or you're going to just do what God told you to do the first time. You should only go around the mountain once, and you should learn everything you need to learn around that mountain. Yes. And then move on into the promised land. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in other words, if you can endure tonight's sleeplessness, the thing that you're going through now, the tossing and turning that you're going through now, 
for this one short night. If you can just endure it, then God promises that tomorrow your trials will turn into your triumphs. And your tests will turn into your testimony. Yes. Amen. Amen. People want a testimony, but they don't want to go through the test. Uh -huh. You have to go through a test before you can have a testimony. Amen. 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 No wonder David said, weeping only endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yes. Why? Because he knew God's got this. Amen. He knew God said he'll deliver him out of all his troubles. Yes. God, uh, David trusted God. Yes. And he was able to rest in that. He said, I might weep for a night. I might toss and turn for a night. But I know that joy is coming in the morning. Yes. Yes. And I'm here to tell you, you might be in the fire like the three Hebrew men that we preached about last week. But there's a fourth man that's about to show up in your fire. He's about to show up in your trial. And when he does, he's going to deliver you out of all your troubles, just like he did the three Hebrew yes. children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody in here needs to know that God has seen your tossing and turning. Nothing escapes the eye of God. Nothing. Ain't one tear you shed that God didn't catch in his hand. God knows all your tears, all your troubles, all your tossing and turning. And he's about to do something to change that for you. Joy is coming in the morning. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe Job's story made it into the Bible because, you know, a lot of things happened over the years, but not everything was recorded in the Bible. Job was recorded in the Bible for a reason. Yes. That woman that washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair, she's in the Bible for a reason. All these things are in the Bible for a reason. A lot of things were rejected. Why? Because God, in his infinite wisdom, knew yes. what we would need and what we wouldn't need. Amen. He knew that some of the things that have been included in the Bible that weren't canon of Scripture is stuff to sidetrack us and throw us off and, and cause confusion with the real truth of God's Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you put in your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I, I believe Job's story made it into the Bible because God knew it would be an encouragement for all of us at one time or another. Uh, it would be an encouragement for everybody that ever had to go through some hard times and go through some tests and trials. And we don't always go through trials because we did something wrong. Sometimes we cause our own trials. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't mean that we've always done something wrong every time we find ourselves going through something. James said, Connor, all joy, say, whoop de doo God's got something he wants to show me. I'm about to get something that I need. He's about to give me a victory in an area that I've never had it in before. Amen. Joy, joy, joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is just as easy to do that as to cry and complain. <laughs> I mean, we know Job really didn't do anything to deserve what he went through. He was challenged. He was tested. God testified for him, so he had to be tested. But Job said in uh, Job 14 and 14, if a man die, shall he live again? That's another question that needed to be answered. If they didn't have the Bible, they didn't have the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't have the uh, epistles. So Job says, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. So for all our point of time, for all the time that we have left here on earth, uh, we sometimes have to wait till our change comes. How I many know some patience would be patience would be helpful right here? Amen. 
I might have a few more sleepless nights. I don't know. Uh, but I'll wait. I may be talking about criticized, made fun of, and lying on for a few more days. But I'll wait. What am I waiting for? I'm waiting for God who said and promised me he'll deliver me out of this problem. Yes. I may have to suffer a few more aches and pains in my body even. But I'll wait. I may be broke today, but I won't be tomorrow. So I'll wait. I might not get my stimulus check this week, but I'll get it next week. So I'll wait. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I may be lonely right now, but I'll wait. Yes. That's not that you're in. Wait till your change comes, but believe it's coming. Everything Job lost, this story has a happy ending, believe it or not. Everything Job lost was restored in the end ten times over. He had ten times as much family. I don't know if he had ten, ten times many wives. He might have, I don't know. Ten times as much cattle and livestock. Ten times as many servants. I'm telling you, when you persevere... When you go through your trials with patience and endurance and steadfastness and stamina, then I'm telling you there's a blessing at the end of it. That's right. God's going to multiply the, the goodness in your life. Amen. Uh, Job says this, Surely I spoke of things I didn't understand. Now, after God set him straight, Job's got a whole new attitude. He says, Surely, certainly, I spoke of things that I didn't understand. In other words, I let my mouth go and talk about things I had no business talking about because I didn't understand. He says, things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. In other words, God knew about Job. God worshipped Job. God prayed to Job. But God, but Job didn't know everything about God. He knew nothing about God's character. And all of that was proven through his trials and his tests. God proved his character to Job. Yeah. Something that Job didn't know or understand before. He learned the character, the character of God. And not only that, but God re revealed his power and his wisdom to Job. And in doing so, he also revealed his mercy and his compassion at the end. No matter how hard it is, Job, and I'm always going to respond with mercy, tenderness, and compassion. Job didn't know any of those things. He was living in fear all his life. And I'm telling you, after this, he never had another doubt about God. He never worried about his children. He never tossed and turned at night. Why? Because he knew things about God now that he didn't know before. Some of your tossing and turning at night might be because you don't know enough about the God that you say you serve. Maybe you need to spend more time with him. Maybe you need to read his word more. Because his word, word reveals his character. It reveals his wisdom. It reveals his will. It reveals his power. It reveals his love and mercy and kindness. It reveals all the things that we need. They're right there in the Bible. And half of us don't know it because we never read it. Amen. Read your Bible. Yes. That's God's word to you. Yes. That's God's letter to you. Yes. Amen. As a matter of fact, when we were in Bible college, they told us to take our Bible, open it to the first page, and write on the very top, God's word to me. <laughs> so every time we read it, we were reading God's word to me. Yes. Everything Job lost, everything was restored tenfold. Tenfold. Was it worth what he went through? You better believe it. 
And, and you know, it was ten times more love, ten times more mercy, ten times more respect, ten times everything. Not just the physical things, but also the spiritual things. So the main thing that we learned today, hopefully, is that the purpose of tests and trials, our brother there on this channel, praise and worship, come back to the front here. I'm going to ask our praise and worship team to sing the last song that they sang for us right before the service. If uh, we get taken down, you don't know why. Just in case we do, I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully I'll be able to come back and pray for you when we're done. But just in case. <laughs> but anyway, the thing we, we need to learn is that it gives us more real experience of God. The things we learn today is the character of God and how he responds to things and how sometimes he's just going to be silent. I, I mean, you can cry and moan and complain and call it prayer if you want, even though it's just a glorified worry session. You can do all of that, su that stuff and God will remain silent. Why? Because you need to learn something. And when Job learned it, God spoke. Hallelujah. But God wants our testing to lead to patience and endurance and uh, perseverance and steadfastness. And why? Because he wants us to come out of this with stronger faith. That's why we're supposed to get excited and we're supposed to get joyful when we come into these tests and trials. Because at the end, we're going to be a better Christian, a better person. We're going to know how to better walk this life of faith that uh, we have before us, run the race that is before us. And understand this. If he said many are the afflictions of the righteous and you're going through something, maybe even more often than you think you should be, it's only because God has declared you righteous. If many of the afflictions of the righteous, well, if you weren't righteous, you weren't going through anything, then that will tell you right there you need to make some adjustments. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. So when you're going through something, count it all joy because God has just testified on your behalf that you're righteous. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes. And it was a free gift from him. Thank Hallelujah. Right. Hallelujah. I hope we can make it through this song. Thank Stay with God. us a minute. Go ahead. Praise and worship.
This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.